Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it. And so will I. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeffrey, welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Join me beside the fire tonight. As I tell you of the evening in nightfalls, I hold most dear. This is a story of family. Chosen family. On the evening of Devani's return to nightfalls, she, Anwen, Lyra and I exchanged stories from our past over the campfire. That night, I learned that even those you know best can surprise you and tell stories you would never have thought to write them into yourself. We are each, of course, the author of our own adventure. And that evening, I felt rather honoured to leaf through the pages of their pasts. Before I begin my story, why not take a moment to relax? 
Start by stretching your arms and legs out, however feels best for your body. Now, roll through your joints gently and feel the pressure that is mounted upon them during the daylight hours begin to dissipate. As your body falls back into alignment, come to settle in a comfortable position. Allow your eyes to drift closed as you find stillness for perhaps the first time all day. Lying there relaxing, draw a deep breath in and release the muscles of the face. As you exhale, soften the muscles of your jaw and allow it to hang loose. Let your tongue fall away from the roof of your mouth and take a few moments to simply be, to breathe. Feel the air drifting ever so effortlessly in through your nose and out through your mouth. Each cycle of your breath draws you deeper and deeper into a state of relaxation. There is nothing for you to do and nowhere for you to be. Tonight, there is only you as you are in the present moment, unfiltered, unburdened and uninterrupted as you drift towards a peaceful night's sleep. With each in-breath, feel yourself drawing the night closer to you. As you exhale, visualize your out-breath pushing the bustle and busyness of the day away from you and creating space for you to rest and recuperate. Breathing in, feel the night air flow into your body and exhale as you release the responsibilities of the day on your out breath. Inhaling, draw the need for sleep into your body and allow it to settle into your core. Exhaling, feel the tide of your breath pushing the day away and creating space for you to relax and unwind. Breathing in deeply for a final time, allow the need for sleep to settle into the corners of your mind. And exhale as you sink into a deep state of relaxation. And tonight's tale begins. I hadn't expected that evening to be quite so eventful, but it transpired to be one of the greatest memories I have. In all the time that has passed since, I still find my thoughts twisting back through time and revisiting the evening that Devani finally returned to Nightfalls.
That evening had begun just as any other. Lyra had wandered up to the clearing, which I do suppose made for a slight change. As I had noted by then, that she much preferred receiving guests over visiting Otto, Anwind and I, farther up the mountain in nightfalls. It didn't matter so much to the rest of us, really, for Lyra had a way of making herself at home, and indeed appointing herself head of the house, wherever and with whomever she found herself. Anwin and Otto were already lounging beside one another in the shallows of the lake as I cleared away after dinner. Lyra had wandered just shy of the campfire and gotten into a deep discussion with a juniper tree she seemed to understand in full. I'd have to ask her how she learned to converse with the flowers by the falls another day, for it was a fact that went forgotten as I looked at the fruit blossoming at the top of the tree and noticed the familiar colours of a kite drifting through the sky towards nightfalls. I hadn't seen Devani's paraglider in months when I noticed it drifting over the hilltops that evening and found myself awash with joy. She had, of course, said that she intended to return to the falls. But I hadn't known for sure, and so as most do, I'd resorted to hoping as quietly as I could that our time together had meant as much to her as it did to me. It wasn't long before the technicolored kite had captured the attention of Anwin, Lyra, and Otto too. The three of us stood by watching as Otto, who had no doubt caught scent of Devani and her kite, began bounding up and down the stretch of sand beside the lake. Lyra looked more than a little confused as to who might be joining us, and watched intently as Devani drifted down onto the clearing in the same wide and swooping circles I'd seen the owls make a thousand times before. As her kite came to land softly on the golden sands of the beach, and as her face came into sight, I found myself caught up in her eyes and stumbling over her smile all over again. My friends followed me along the beach towards the purple and red kite that rested upon the sands. Devani smiling at me as she was, I didn't quite know what to say at first, though I often felt in her presence that I actually needn't say anything at all. Well, aren't you going to introduce us? Lyra chided, clobbering through the silence in a way that only those old enough not to care what others might think are able to do. I was glad of the interruption in truth, for I'd been far too busy grinning back at the paraglider to make any introductions. Devani, these are my friends Anwin and Lyra. I got out, glad not to have garbled my words as I thought I might. 
It's lovely to finally meet you, Anwen called. I've heard so much about you. And though it was true, she had indeed been subject to much rambling and speculation over whether or not Devani might return. I was rather wishing she hadn't given me away. It was then, in that baited quiet, that Anwen had thrust the four of us into, that Devani pulled a bag of marshmallows from her rucksack and suggested we toast them over the campfire. I gave her a quizzical look. The notion seemed to have come from nowhere, and so too had the marshmallows. But as we wandered over to the fire by the beach, she explained that they're the perfect treat for those wishing to travel light. I realised, as we settled ourselves beside the fire, that Lyra likely hadn't seen the light pink sugar puffs in several decades, and perhaps that was why she seemed to be in such a rush to open them. Keen not to keep her waiting a minute longer, I set about finding some sticks for us to toast the marshmallows on. My search was short-lived, for autumn had already begun to creep upon the trees around the clearing, leaving foliage and fallen twigs to bed the forest floor. Autumn would eventually wash the green from the leaves and bronze the land around me in its entirety. But in that moment, I relished what could only have been the first breath of the new season. I sensed by then that the fall golds would glitter in nightfalls. I imagined that the full flare of the season would be crisp, but never cold. I'd always struggled to think of fall as anything other than cosy, when the world was suddenly so rich with the warming ambers and oranges of the season. The oranges had warmed me by the fireside, that had made me feel cosy at home. So ready to settle in and sleep could all be found outdoors in the autumn months, and I couldn't wait to see them in nightfalls, where I found myself spending more time living beneath the stars than ever before. When I finally returned to the campfire, Lyra had pulled up a stool for Devani, the older woman's bright blue eyes implored me to take the seat beside Devani for myself. I might have been too polite to ordinarily, and insisted Lyra took a seat beside the fire, whilst I went in search of another for myself. But I had learned that when Lyra insisted upon something, it could be rather difficult to change her mind. I sensed that an element of nightfalls crept into her over the years, or the energy of the place at least, for Lyra could be just as uncompromising as the mountains that block out the last of the evening sun, and shroud the clearing in shade every night. I settled myself on the stool beside Devani, and began to hand around the sticks I had foraged for 
Lyra pulled a small glass vial from her pocket and poured it onto the ground before her feet. Devani didn't look nearly as surprised as I thought she would when a toadstool big enough to seat two people sprouted from the ground. Since we met, I'd often found myself wondering about Lyra's past, about how she might have come to make her home in Nightfalls all those years ago. I'd always been wary of prying, but there was a directness about Devani and a love for human connection that made her brave enough to ask people for their past. She asked with such confidence that you felt comfortable giving it to her. Though Devani didn't seem to live life with any great sense of urgency, she always seemed reluctant to waste the time she did have on small talk. So, as we toasted marshmallows around the fire, Devani asked Lyra about her past, and Lyra told her, told all of us, and didn't deny us a single detail. Lyra pulled another vial from the inside pockets of her vest, and time seemed to stop in the clearing. Then, she doused the flames before us with the elixir, and it seemed as though that same time that had ground to a halt around us just before began retreating all of a sudden, running backward faster and farther than any of us could have chased it. The years unraveled around us, and the present moment pulled farther and farther from my grasp until the flames that flickered in the campfire parted, and Lyra's story began to play through a window into the past she had carved out for us. I recognised her instantly. Little Lyra. Even at six or seven, all the characteristics I know her by today are there. The unkempt hair, the bird-like features, the coat pockets crammed full of oddities and essentials, Tatty put her hat flopped upon her head, and she grinned wide as she followed an older woman with the same blue eyes as her into the mountains. Despite the striking similarities in their smiles, there remained a few marked differences between Lyra and her mother. Her mother appeared tall and dressed as though she had been born in 1910 which I would imagine she had been. Lyra's mother wore long skirts that she bundled up and tied in a knot at her side as the pair wandered deeper into the woods and the mud began to squelch underfoot. I always enjoyed the visits my mother and I made to these mountains. But at that age... I couldn't understand why we had to wander so deep into the forests to forage for flowers and herbs that never ended up in any of the food we ate. Lyra smiled, watching her past play out in the flames. Those trips were our little secret, my mother used to say, as we wandered back home and she tucked the herbs 
into the very back of the pantry to dry out. When I was learning to read, I used to skim through the books my mother kept on the mantel beside the fireplace. At first, I was really just looking at the illustrations. It seemed that they were all hand-drawn, and I thought them rather beautiful. It wasn't until I was a little older and my reading was a little better that I came to truly understand the book that had been sitting open in my lap every evening for years. It was through that spell book that I came to understand my mother. And moons later, when the penny finally dropped and I realised what she was, I came to know myself a little better too. My mother welcomed the term witch in certain circles and was happy to be referred to as such. The magic she practiced aided many and her talents were well known throughout the town. She told me once that things hadn't been quite so easy for her mother. Personally, I've always preferred the term wise woman but I was too young for my thoughts on the matter to be fully formed back then, and indeed my nose for herbs didn't develop for years after my lineage was revealed to me, as is the nature of this kind of power. Years later, when my own life had become as much about the study of botany as my mother's had been, and I was as well versed in the ancient texts that had been passed down through the generations of my family, I found myself making the trip out into the mountains alone. Up. Up. Up into the mountains I would wander. And then down. Down. Deeper down into the clearing I would go. Pressing further into the thicket. Where the better herbs grew. With every passing visit. Eventually, I found myself wondering what it might be like not to leave the falls at all. Not to have to make such a long trip each week. I began working on a potion to grow my own home beside the falls years before I was able to move in. I remember making it clear as day. I ground up the wolfsbane idly. The dream that I might live here just that back then. A dream. I thought about it. I fantasized. And I think perhaps those feelings got worked into the herbs each time I ground the pestle against the mortar. The weather was fair that day, so I'd elected to cook up the elixir in the woods. I didn't think too hard about it. I didn't have to. By that time, my nose for the flowers was fully developed, and I'd garnered a good sense of what might need to go into a growth potion sitting on the kitchen countertop whilst my mother cooked potions over the stove. I was just working, toiling, learning the craft, dreaming absent-mindedly about a life here in nightfalls. 
I brewed a potion that would will the world beneath my feet to grow into a home around me. When I finished making it, I waited for the mixture to cool before pouring it into the soil in the clearing below nightfalls, where the best herbs tend to sprout. I thought perhaps the potion hadn't taken at first. Making it had been one of my first attempts to brew something without the help of a recipe. I didn't realise that beneath my feet, the earth had begun to warp and work, building me the abode I had dreamt of. The roots of my new home dug down deep beneath my feet. And months later, the first saplings shot from the earth and began growing into what I would one day call home. I carried on cooking up potions by the falls and watching my home take shape. Knowing that a life by the falls was in my future inspired me and pushed me to align myself and my abilities with the person I would need to be to thrive here. Years passed like that as the house grew and I grew beside it honing my craft by the time I felt ready to move to the falls permanently my house was ready too the roof had filled in wild flowers had grown to carpet the floor and the rest as they say is history Lyra smiled flicking a little water into the flames to extinguish the image her elixir had painted for us. You'd be very welcome to come and visit any time, Devani. Geoffrey knows the way down to my cottage, the older woman offered, before asking Devani why she hadn't seemed so surprised by the trick with the potion and the fire. Smiling easily, an open book as ever. Devani began. The paraglider told us of all the beautiful things she had seen on her journeys across the mountain range. She pulled a crumpled fold-out map from her rucksack and showed us the path she had taken through the mountains and all of the wonderful sights she had seen whilst traversing the peaks. Devani had seen more of these mountains than all of us combined, and over the months had learned to use the magic of the mountains with her words. She told us of the beautiful songs her father used to sing to the pot plants in the kitchen when she was a child. He had said it would help them to grow, and though she knew he had been joking, she still remembered the words to the song years later. She said it had crept into her head as she flew over the northernmost faces, where autumn had begun to catch at the leaves, and the grass was growing crisp. She sang those same songs her father had sung to the pot plants on the kitchen windowsill to herself. But there wasn't much company a thousand feet up in the air, but as she sang, the soft melody of the song 
wrapped itself around the world below. And she realised that it was beginning to breathe new life into the soil beneath her. The grass thawed, and the rich greens of summer seeped into the leaves again. I had a lot of time to think up new lyrics, to sing to myself and the ground below. And as I travelled across the mountains, I was able to chase the autumn away, to stave it off, and at least for a little while, as I was passing through. Taking my marshmallow from the fire and eating it, I couldn't help but wonder what Devani sounded like when she sang. Anwin had been nursing the same marshmallow the entire evening, periodically toasting it and pulling it from the flames to see how gooey she could make the thing without it melting completely off its stick. She wasn't interested in eating it, for Anwin didn't seem to need the same kind of sustenance as the rest of us did. But I hadn't wanted her to feel left out, so I'd handed her a stick nonetheless. When her marshmallow finally melted into the flames and bubbled over the kindling, she began to tell a story of her own. Anwin's story was, in a sense, Lyra's story too. She told us of Lyra's mother, Irene, and her mother's mother, Willa. Anwin said she had known the women in Lyra's family for generations, and that they had a nose for rooting out nature's power, and wielded it like none she had ever seen do so before. She told us of the long, lazy summers she spent lying on the rock that jutted out into the lake with Lyra's grandmother. They had both been younger then, and Anwin concluded that the planet must still have been quite young then too, for the world that Willa had told Anwin existed beyond the mountain range had sounded rather different to her than the one that I had described when I arrived. I asked Anwin about her world, the one I had seen through the crystal window with Lyra some weeks ago, and she simply said she would have to show me around sometime. When the marshmallows were all gone, Anwin retreated back into the lake, and Lyra began her journey home. Otto was already snoozing on the beach when Devani and I joined him, and stretched out upon its sands. Together, we fell into a comfortable silence, staring up at the night sky. I don't know how much time had passed before Devani turned to face me and said, I think you might owe me a story. You didn't tell one around the fire. Smiling up at the stars, I asked, What kind of story? One from the past she decided but her eyes had already drifted closed 
and I thought perhaps she had fallen asleep until she broke apart the silence of the night to remind me she was still waiting to hear what I had to say. Drawing in a deep breath, I told Devani of my travels, of the places I had the honour of visiting before I rediscovered nightfalls, all of which had been beautiful, but none of which had ever compared to the clearing in my eyes. As Devani laid beside me, my thoughts hitched on the time I find myself lost in the tropical jungle of Sichuanbana, in the Yunnan province of China. I wandered through the jungle for hours, cutting through thick vines and searching for any trace of the group I had been with or the path we had been following before I strayed too far and lost my way. I wandered through the thick forest, thinking myself foolish for being out there in the first place. I can't recall how long I walked alone through the trees, for fear had a way of stretching out time for me. But eventually, I stumbled upon a woman carrying a basket laden with apples. Like myself, she was out in the jungle alone, but she was cutting a path through the vines with much more direction and intention than I had been. When I called out to her and caught her attention, I quickly realised we didn't share a common language. I gestured as best I could and tried my level best to communicate my situation. After a few minutes spent playing charades in the jungle, she seemed to catch my meaning and directed me back towards the path that led to the village I was staying in. Whenever I'm reminded of that day, I can't help but think that life has a way of intervening when you're travelling in the wrong direction, of gently nudging you back onto your path. It was that night, as I arrived back at my campsite, safe and sound, that I realised I'm always in exactly the right place, at the right time. I'm always exactly where I need to be. I finished, turning to look at Devani. She drew a deep breath in, feeling the evening air wash in and out of her lungs, before she turned to me and said, I don't know if I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, but I do know that I'm exactly where I want to be. At that, her eyes drifted closed on the day, and I too found myself settling a little deeper into the soft sand beneath me, and drifting off into a peaceful sleep.